everyone. Welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about the male reproductive organs. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen in to our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice, so don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven Nett as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. All right, so we're going to be wrapping up the hormone sequence when we go through the reproductive system, both for the male and the female. This week is going to be the male, and then the next two weeks are going to be the female. And I'm not going to even get into why the female gets two weeks and the male gets one week, because it'll just get me in trouble. So let's start off with what hormones are produced by the main male reproductive organ or gland, the testes, and what they do. All right. Uh, The testes produce the male-dominant hormone testosterone, and to a lesser extent, the female-dominant hormones estrogen and progesterone. Now, testosterone is a super important hormone for all of the stages of a male's life. Starting in the fetus, it's instrumental in the first stages of developing the male reproductive organs. Mm -hmm. And then during puberty, it causes the development of male characteristics such as the growth of facial hair the deepening of the voice, and the typical growth spurt that takes place. Uh, It also helps to maintain these characteristics throughout a man's life. From puberty onward, testosterone provides the main stimulus also for sperm production. And in adulthood, it maintains libido, muscle strength, and bone density. Now, can you guess what other two glands control how much testosterone the testes produce and secrete? Well, I was going to say the adrenal glands, um, but I know that they produce both estrogen and testosterone. But since you said two, I'm thinking probably hypothalamus and pituitary. Nailed it. Good job. Okay. Paying attention. Good boy. Yep. So yeah, the hypothalamus sends a hormone called gonadotropin releasing hormone to the pituitary gland to produce luteinizing hormone, which stimulates testosterone production in the testes. Okay. And, you know, if the testes produce too much testosterone, then the hypothalamus tells the pituitary to make less luteinizing hormone, which then tells the testes to decrease testosterone production. Okay. There's a nice little feedback uh, communication loop going on there. Now, estrogen is produced in males in both the adrenal glands and testes. And, you know, we learned in the introductory podcast on hormones, number 67, that the primary way that estrogen is produced in the male body is actually by testosterone being converted to estrogen by an enzyme called aromatase. Okay. 
the male body has significantly less estrogen than females, and this is still being researched, but a study from 2003 called Estrogen in the Adult Male Reproductive Tract, a review, concluded that estrogen or its receptor is an absolute necessity for fertility in the male. Wow. Yeah. Uh, progesterone, like estrogen, is also produced in the male body by the testes and adrenals. And progesterone plays a much larger role than estrogen does in the male body since it's actually needed to produce testosterone. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Well, there were, I didn't remember that from many, many years ago. And whoever <laughs> it was that taught that class, I can't remember at this point in time. So now that's some of the male reproductive system functions of the testes. Are there any other functions that it has in the body? or that they yeah. have in the body. Yes, and actually its primary purpose is the production of sperm for reproduction. Mm -hmm. And you know, here's some fun facts about sperm. They're extremely small, just one six hundredth of an inch or 0 0.05 millimeters long. Mm -hmm. And as you know, they're like tiny tadpoles in that they have a tail which propels them and a head which contains genetic material, including the 23 chromosomes, which is half of the chromosomes in a human. Right. With, you know, the other 23 coming from the female egg that they may potentially fertilize. Mm -hmm. uh, millions of sperm are produced each day in a male adult, and it takes four to six weeks for them to move through the complex network of ducts alongside the testes called the epididymis, where they grow and mature. Oh. A long time. That is a very long time. Okay. So you had mentioned earlier about testosterone being one of the main hormones that's produced by the testes. What are some of the causes behind a reduced testosterone production in the body? Well, first of all, reduced testosterone production naturally occurs with the aging process. Mm -hmm. uh, on average, men experience a 1% per year decline in testosterone production after age 30. However, significantly measurably low testosterone has become more prevalent in recent times and about 40% of men aged 45 and older experience this. Mm. And it's actually difficult to define normal testosterone levels because levels vary throughout the day and are affected by such things as body mass index, nutrition, alcohol consumption, certain medications, age, and illness. You know, because testosterone levels are typically higher in the morning, it's recommended that they're tested in the morning. Now, another important point about determining testosterone levels is the various forms of it found in the blood. So normally when testosterone is tested, the total testosterone blood level is checked. Okay. I mean, you know, that's okay, but it doesn't tell the whole story. And the reason is only 2% of the testosterone in the bloodstream is not bound to other molecules, and it's called free testosterone, and it's considered bioavailable or usable by the body. 44% of the testosterone in the blood is tightly bound to a carrier protein molecule called SHBG, or sex hormone binding globulin. Mm -hmm. And this is considered biologically inactive because it's not available for use by other cells in the body. Mm -hmm. So the other 54% is loosely bound to another carrier protein called albumin, which is something that's typically tested for. It's a, another protein. Mm -hmm. And... Since it's loosely bound, it means that it can easily separate from it and can become bioavailable. Okay. 
So with all this in mind, a more complete blood test analysis of testosterone would be to check not only total testosterone, but also free testosterone and sex hormone binding globulin levels. All right. So it's more complex than it seems to be. Yes. Another important fact is that aging and chronic health conditions like diabetes and obesity can alter the relative concentrations of these three forms of testosterone found in the blood. You see, as a man ages, the proportion of testosterone, which is bioavailable, declines more rapidly at an annual rate of about 2 to 3% than the overall decline in testosterone production, which again occurs at an annual rate of about 1%. Mm. And the explanation for this large reduction in bioavailable testosterone is because aging men produce greater quantities of sex hormone binding globulin, which again binds tightly to testosterone, making it biologically unavailable or inactive. Okay. Now, testosterone deficiency is also known as hypogonadism, which we talked a little about in our introductory hormones podcast number 67. Mm-hmm. Hypogonadism can either be due to the testes failing to produce enough testosterone or problems with the hypothalamus or pituitary gland, which again control testosterone production. Perhaps the biggest cause of low testosterone, also known as low T, in men is obesity and especially excess belly fat, which has been found to trigger excess estrogen production in men. Wow. Yeah, and the other more common causes of low T include diabetes, poor diet, and drugs, tobacco, and alcohol abuse. Other potential causes of low T include injury to or infection of the testes, problems with the hypothalamus and or pituitary gland, uh, including a pituitary tumor or adenoma, along with too much production of the hormone prolactin. It can occur as a side effect of chemotherapy for cancer a side effect of medications, especially opioids, steroids, including prednisone, hormones used to treat prostate cancer, and hair loss medications, including Propecia. Wow. Yeah, it can also be a side effect of anabolic steroids used by bodybuilders, as well as radiation exposure from x-rays or cancer radiation treatment. Low T can also be due to being uh, physically inactive, and that occurs quite common in men that age. Mm Mm-hmm. And it can also be uh, related to sleep disorders, including insomnia and sleep apnea. Wow. Well, it was funny because when you were talking about free testosterone, the first thing that came to mind was that movie about the whale. Free Willy? (laughs) Yes. I thought, well, the only thing is that would probably not be safe for work for me to say that. No, not at all. I mean, not edit this out, actually, because I did think of that first thing, free testosterone, free willing. Oh, my God. Okay. So now that goes over what can cause low testosterone, but what are the effects that can happen when a man has low testosterone levels? Well, some of the more common effects of low T in men are decreased sex drive, also known as libido, erectile dysfunction, reduced muscle mass lower energy, weight gain, low sperm count and infertility, and loss of body hair. It's also linked to loss of bone mass or osteoporosis, the development of breast tissue in men called gynecomastia, and a number of mental and emotional changes, including mood swings and irritability, depression, poor concentration, and an increased risk for Alzheimer's disease. 
Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So that means that this is something that should be tested for as men age. Absolutely. Okay. Now, besides something like low T, what are some of the other conditions that can affect the testes? All right. Well, let's start with testicular trauma. I mean, this is pretty common and it's due to various impact injuries, especially during sports. Mm -hmm. A specific type of it is called testicular torsion, which fortunately is uncommon. It's when one of the testicles twists around, cutting off its blood supply. Mm -hmm. can also have undescended testes, also known as crypt orchidism. And this is a failure of one or both of the testes to drop down into their usual position before birth. Uh, while they remain in the abdomen. Mm -hmm. uh, another condition is called epididymitis, which is an infection of the epididymis ducts causing pain and swelling next to one of the testicles. Mm -hmm. uh, it could also be, have a varicocele, which is a varicose vein in the network of veins that run from the testicles, and this often occurs during puberty and is usually not harmful, but it could potentially damage a testicle or de decrease sperm production. Okay. There can also be what's called a hydrocele, which is a collection of fluid in the membrane surrounding the testes and can cause swelling in the scrotum, but it's usually painless. Mm -hmm. And finally, testicular cancer. Uh, this is the most common cancer in males between 15 and 35 in North America and Europe. Mm. Even so, it's still relatively rare with under 10,000 men diagnosed with it in the United States annually and on average just 400 dying of it each year. Okay. Fortunately, if the tumor is detected early, the cure rate is excellent. That's good. Mm -hmm. All right. So you've got these various different testicular conditions. Obviously, medicine has some ways of approaching it or treating it, including low testosterone levels. So what are some of those approaches and are there any side effects of those approaches? All right. Well, let's start with low testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. These are often treated with testosterone replacement therapy. And in order to qualify for this, men basically need to have a combination of low blood levels of testosterone and several symptoms of low testosterone. Okay. We went over those just a minute ago. Right. So testosterone replacement therapy has many delivery systems, including skin patches, gels, mouth tablets, pellets, and injections. Okay. But unfortunately, there's a long list of side effects from testosterone replacement therapy. So here goes. <laughs> okay. Well, I think any hormonal replacement therapy uh, that we've discussed has a lot of side effects. Yeah. And especially if it's synthetic. So definitely, if you're going to consider this, you want to get bioidentical testosterone. Right. right. So here's the list. It can cause acne or oily skin, mild fluid retention, uh, stimulation of prostate tissue, which can increase urina urination symptoms such as a decreased stream or frequency, increased risk of developing other prostate abnormalities, can cause breast enlargement in men, increased risk of blood clots, worsening of sleep apnea if a person has that, decreased testicular size, increased aggression and mood swings, even though that's something that tends to occur when you have low testosterone. Mm-hmm. Potential increased risk of heart attacks and strokes, changes in cholesterol and lipid levels, increase in red blood cell count, decrease in sperm count, producing infertility, especially in younger men, and an increase in PSA levels, which we're going to go over in more detail a little bit later. Okay. Now, 
Testicular trauma can cause severe pain, bruising, and swelling, but it's usually not serious and typically only requires an ice pack. All right. So, you know, there's rare instances where a severe trauma can cause testicular rupture, causing blood to leak into the scrotum, which may require surgery to repair the rupture. All right. Now, testicular torsion is a medical emergency requiring surgery to untwist the cord and save the testicle. Mm-hmm. Undescended uh, testes, again, also known as crypt orchidism, is normally treated with surgery because, you know, if it's left alone, it can harm the normal development and function of the testes and potentially lead to infertility. Okay. Uh, Epididymitis is normally treated with antibiotics and Mm anti-inflammatories. Varicose seal, again, is a varicose vein within the scrotum, and as long as it's not painful, it's usually left alone. Oh, okay. Uh, But if there is pain, then normally over-the-counter painkillers like Tylenol or ibuprofen are recommended. Mm-hmm. And if surgery is needed, then laparoscopic surgery is the most common approach. But there's also a non-surgical, minimally invasive approach that I would like to go into a little detail about because it's really interesting, and it's called varicocele embolization. It's performed by an interventional radiologist and is just as effective as surgery with less risk, especially since a local anesthetic is used instead of general anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And there's less pain and a significantly shorter recovery period. So this involves the insertion of a catheter into the involved vein, and then a small coil or special liquid is released into it, which acts as a blocking agent to divert blood flow into other nearby veins. Mm -hmm. And the hope is that this will successfully cause the varicocele to go away. Okay. Yeah. Now, a hydrocele, again, is a painless buildup of watery fluid around one or both testicles that causes the scrotum or groin area to swell. Mm -hmm. It's very common in newborns, affecting about 10%, and it usually disappears without treatment by age one. Okay. So, the typical approach is watchful waiting, and in rare cases, surgery is needed. Then, testicular cancer treatment, and this is based mainly on the type and stage of the cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, again, when caught earlier, treatment has a very high success rate. So that would include surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. Okay. Now, those are the medical approaches. Are there any natural treatments that have been successful in treating any of these conditions, including things like testicular cancer or low testosterone? Yes, there are. So let's start with testosterone-boosting supplements. Okay. I mean, there's tons of these on the market, and I honestly cannot tell you, you know, which are the best ones out there, but I can tell you that the most popular and likely the most effective ones are found on bodybuilding websites. Oh. So one website that I recommend that since I've purchased a bunch of supplements from them is t-nation.com. Okay. That's the one where I get the sleep aid Z12 from also. Right. Now, two of its supplements boast some impressive pro-testosterone support, so I thought I'd go over these. Okay. So the first one's called Alpha Male, and this contains three of the most potent natural testosterone-boosting compounds available, which are Bulgarian Tribulus Terrestris Root Extract, Malaysian Uricoma Longifolia Extract, Mm -hmm. and Forscolin Carbonate. Okay. So I'll go over these three. Bulgarian tribulus terrestris root extract stimulates the release of luteinizing hormone in a pituitary gland, which, as we learned earlier, then signals the testes to produce more testosterone. Right. 
Malaysian urecoma longifolia extract works by selectively controlling the conversion of the adrenal hormone DHEA into testosterone. Okay. And it does this even if the testes are non-responsive to luteinizing hormone. Hmm. And finally, forskolin carbonate also helps support the natural production of testosterone, but without the liver toxicity side effects that other forskolin products can cause, including the very popular one called Anavar. All right. Now, the other supplement is called Res-V, and this is a very potent form of resveratrol containing six times as much pure resveratrol as many store-bought brands. Wow. Yeah. And if you remember in podcast number 13 covering inflammation, we learned that resveratrol, which is found in grapes, mulberries, red wine, and chocolate, is a more potent anti-inflammatory agent than over-the-counter anti-inflammatory drugs like aspirin and ibuprofen, according to some sources. Mm. Well, it also acts as an estrogen antagonist because it inhibits the enzyme aromatase, which converts testosterone to estrogen. Ah. So by stopping testosterone from being converted to estrogen, it prevents the nasty effects of excess estrogen in a male body, which is losing muscle and gaining body fat. Mm. And at the same time, it increases testosterone levels to increase strength and muscle growth. Wow. Pretty awesome. That is an interesting approach. Yeah. So other nutrients that can boost testosterone levels include vitamin D, the herb fenugreek, ginger, DHEA, zinc, and ashwagandha. Other natural testosterone boosters include intermittent fasting, which is a now very popular diet approach. Mm-hmm. Heavy weight training and high-intensity interval training, which are things we've gone over before. Right. Healthy fats like coconut oil, omega-3 fatty acids, and avocados. Mm -hmm. Liver detoxes because, as we learned earlier, the liver is very, very important for processing all the major hormones of the body. Right. And also reducing sugar intake, getting quality sleep, and lowering your body fat percentage. I'd also like to add that cold laser therapy could be helpful for reducing and inflammation associated with either testicular trauma or epididymitis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the other testicular conditions are handled through medical procedures that we just went over because they're medical conditions. Okay, that makes sense. So now we're going to move from the testes over to the prostate gland, which is the other major gland in the male reproductive system and endocrine system. So what is its purpose? Well, the prostate gland is about the size of an apricot and produces prostate fluid, which is one of the components of semen or seminal fluid. Mm -hmm. And this fluid actually nourishes and protects sperm. The remainder of semen is produced by the seminal vesicles, which are two pinky-sized glands that feed into the prostate. Okay. Other minor functions of the prostate include the production of a hormone-like substance called spermine, which improves sperm motility, which is their ability to move. Mm -hmm. And it also converts testosterone to DHT or dihydrotestosterone, which on a positive side helps to stimulate the development of male characteristics. But on the downside, it can cause hair follicles to shrink, resulting in male pattern baldness. Right. Okay. Now, a lot of people have probably heard about benign prostatic hypertrophy. Uh, sometimes they use initials, but everything's got initials these days because they think that people are too stupid to be able to understand something, 
probably because they never explain it. They throw around as the biggest words they possibly can. Anyway, what is benign prostatic hypertrophy and how does it affect the body? Well, benign prostatic hypertrophy is also known as benign prostatic hyperplasia or simply prostate gland enlargement. That's easier. Yeah, and it's abbreviated as BPH. Right. Now, this is a common condition that occurs as men get older, generally starting in a man's 30s, developing slowly and affecting about 50% of all men over 50, but only 10% need medical or surgical intervention. Okay. What happens with benign prostatic hypertrophy or hyperplasia is that the prostate enlarges, causing it to compress the urethra, which happens to run through the center of it. Mm -hmm. The urethra is the tube that carries urine out of the body. Right. So this can cause a number of pretty uncomfortable urine flow problems, including a hard time getting started, a weak stream or pee that stops and starts, and dribbling when finished. Now, because of the fact that the urethra is squeezed, the bladder has to work harder to push the urine out. Mm-hmm. And urine backs up in the bladder, causing urine retention there. Plus, over time, the bladder muscles weaken, making it harder to empty. Hmm. So this results in additional problems, including having an urgent need to pee all of a sudden at random times, feeling like you still have to pee after you just went, incontinence, which is when you don't have control when you pee. Mm-hmm and having to go more often, like eight or more times a day, and having to get up several times a night to pee. Okay. That's probably the most widely known condition of the prostate. Uh, What are some of the other conditions that can occur? Well, there's two other primary prostate conditions, and they're prostatitis and prostate cancer. Okay. So prostatitis is inflammation of the prostate and can be either acute or chronic can be either due to an infection, injury, or an immune system disorder. Mm -hmm. And common symptoms include difficulty urinating, pain in the groin, abdomen, or low back and pelvis, and even blood in the urine. Prostate cancer is the second most common cancer among men in the United States with over 3 million cases per year. Wow. So do you know what the most common cause of cancer in men is? Skin cancer. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, prostate cancer is rare in men under 40, but get this. It's diagnosed in an estimated 80% of men who reach age 80, according to WebMD.com. Wow. Yeah. In the early stages of prostate cancer, there are no, you know, often no symptoms, but when they occur, they include frequent urination, especially at night, difficulty starting or stopping urination weak or interrupted urinary stream, a painful or burning sensation during urination or ejaculation, and blood in the urine or semen. Uh, Advanced prostate cancer can cause deep pain in the lower back, hips, or upper thighs. Hmm. So this is really important for a chiropractor or a physical therapist to be aware of since physical medicine treatment of this area will likely not produce results. Right. But, you know, normally by this time, an individual has been already diagnosed with prostate cancer. So this scenario is pretty unlikely, but it's still something that should be kept in mind by us docs. Right. Now, prostate cancer is screened initially through a combination of a digital rectal exam, which may reveal an abnormality in the texture, shape, or size of the gland, Mm -hmm. plus a higher-than-normal PSA or prostate-specific antigen blood test. 
Normal is considered under four nanograms per milliliter and above 10 suggests a high risk for prostate cancer. Right. Now, it's very important to know that other prostate conditions like benign prostatic hypertrophy and prostatitis can also raise PSA levels. And prostate cancer can also occur when the levels are in the normal range below four. I hate when that happens. I know. So further testing to confirm cancer is absolutely required, even if the digital rectal exam and PSA tests are positive. So these may include an ultrasound study of the prostate, a newer diagnostic approach being used worldwide called MRI fusion, and finally, the definitive objective analysis for prostate cancer, a biopsy, since it will be able to identify if cancer cells are present. Yeah, but biopsies are not a good approach. Understandable. I mean, you know, it could potentially cause the spread, but... Yeah, no, it's more likely that it will cause the spread. Well, it may, but it is really the only true way to know if cancer cells are present. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if it is positive, then other imaging studies are performed to determine if the cancer is spread to other parts of the body. So that would be like a PET scan, bone scan, CAT scan, MRI, those types of things. Okay. All right. So now we talked about a medical approach of biopsy, which I'm not in favor of. What are some of the other most common medical approaches to some of these prostate conditions and what are their potential side effects? Okay. Well, benign prostatic hypertrophy oftentimes doesn't require any treatment, but when symptoms worsen, medications are normally recommended first. And there are three types of medications for this. Mm Mm-hmm. So the first one's called alpha blockers, which relax the muscles of the prostate and neck of the bladder to relieve symptoms. Okay. They include Cardura and Flomax. The problem with these is that they can cause headaches, fatigue, problems ejaculating, or lightheadedness. Mm-hmm. Then we come to what are called 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, which block the conversion of the male hormone testosterone into its active form in the prostate, dihydrotestosterone, or DHT. Mm-hmm. This helps to shrink the prostate by about 25% and prevent more growth since prostate enlargement in BPH is directly dependent on dihydrotestosterone. Right. I mean, this sounds great, but the problem is that it takes 6 to 12 months for this to occur with these drugs and improvement in urinary symptoms usually also takes this long. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Side effects include declining interest in sex, problems getting an erection, and problems with ejaculation. So you might as well just shut it down at that point. Right. Yeah. It's like, why bother? Yeah. In addition, the FDA requires these manufacturers to include black labels on them with the warning that they may be linked to an increased chance of aggressive prostate cancer. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So you want to hear which ones they are? Because you see commercials on these on TV every so often. Mm. Avidart, Proscar, and Propecia. Ah. Propecia, again, is used uh, also for hair loss. That's right. And then the third one is PED5 inhibitors, which have been shown to improve benign prostatic hypertrophy symptoms by improving the flow rate of urine specifically by inducing smooth muscle relaxation in the prostate and bladder. Okay. Interestingly enough, these also happen to be primarily used for erectile dysfunction, and they include Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra. Wow. Yeah. Common side effects of these include headaches, flushing, runny nose, upset stomach, and back pain. 
but they can also cause dizziness or a sudden drop in blood pressure and even prolonged erections lasting more than four hours as well as painful erections lasting more than six hours called priapism. Okay. And if anyone takes these for erectile dysfunction or benign prostatic hypertrophy and has liver or, and or kidney disease, then they're instructed to use lower doses. Because it'll affect the kidneys or the liver. Yes. Okay. There's also various surgeries that can be performed for benign prostatic hypertrophy if it doesn't respond to medications. The most common is called TURP, T-U-R-P, which involves inserting a scope through the urethra to remove the excess tissue. Okay. Tissue removal can also be removed by laparoscopic procedure. And laser surgery is another option to kill off excess prostate tissue and shrink the gland. All right. Another procedure that can be performed in a doctor's office and something that our father had successfully performed on him is microwave therapy. Mm -hmm. And no, they didn't put him in an oversized microwave oven. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> it's the use of microwave energy aimed at the prostate to destroy some of the cells leading eventually to the shrinkage of the prostate. And okay. That really, really, really helped him. Now, prostatitis is normally treated with antibiotics, alpha blockers, and anti-inflammatories. And finally, prostate cancer treatment, just like testicular cancer treatment, is dependent on the type and stage of the cancer if it has spread uh, to other parts of the body. So the three most common approaches are active surveillance, which means closely monitoring it with periodic uh, digital rectal exams and PSA tests instead of active treatment because the cancer is asymptomatic, it's small and contained, and not growing. Okay. So it's under control. Uh, surgery to remove the prostate is very commonly performed, and radiation may also be recommended. Now, there's also quite a few what are classified as investigational or experimental approaches to treating prostate cancer, and they include cryotherapy, which freezes cancer cells, mm -hmm. chemotherapy, which, as you know, uses special drugs to shrink or kill the cancer, mm -hmm. biological therapy, which works with your body's immune system to help it fight the cancer or to control side effects from other cancer treatments. High intensity focused ultrasound, which uses high energy sound waves to kill cancer cells. Mm -hmm. Hormone therapy, which blocks cancer cells from getting the hormones that they need to grow. And stem cell therapy is being tested for this now too. Okay. So those are the various different medical approaches. Now, if people don't want to try one of those or don't want to use one of those and want a possible alternative way to deal with prostatitis or prostate cancer or BPH, what are some of the ones that you've seen that can get results with these conditions? All right. Well, let's start with some uh, prostate support supplements. Uh, a really good prostate glandular is prostate PMG by standard process. And I also like the supplement called Prostate Support by NutraWest because of its various ingredients that support prostate function. So I want to go through these various ingredients. One of them being saw palmetto. That's right. Along with pumpkin seeds, there was a 2014 study that showed improvement in BPH symptoms when taking, you know, pumpkin seeds along with saw palmetto. And this supplement does have saw palmetto in it. Okay. The supplement also contains zinc, which is critical for normal prostate function. Right. Uh, a normal prostate has the highest levels of zinc in the body. Hmm. 
And it's been found to work like a natural 5-alpha reductase inhibitor, which blocks the conversion of testosterone to DHT, but in this case, without the horrible side effects. Right. So men should probably be taking zinc supplements from the time they turn 20 or 30. Mm -hmm. But again, remember, we talked about how you shouldn't take more than like 40 to 60 milligrams a day because it can cause other issues in the body. Now, pygium is a tree extract, which includes the bark and has been used for treating mild to moderate BPH. And a 2012 study showed that it could potentially reduce the risk of prostate cancer. Wow. Yeah. Stinging nettle soothes the urinary tract and can help reduce prostate size and treat symptoms of an enlarged prostate gland in men with BPH. Okay. Uh, it also has ginkgo biloba, which has antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties. And there is ongoing research looking into it possibly helping to prevent prostate cancer also. Okay. Uh, the supplement also contains three amino acids, L-glycine, L-alanine, and L-glutamic acid, which show up frequently in other prostate support supplements, and they have anti-inflammatory effects. Okay. And then I wanted to include one more ingredient, which I think this has, but is also something that can be taken by itself, and that is vitamin E. Oh, of course. Well, this is by far the most controversial supplement in regards to prostate health because of studies showing that it can actually increase the risk of prostate cancer. Wow. So there was one study from 2009 called the Selenium and Vitamin E Cancer Prevention Trial. It was abbreviated SELECT, and it found, quote, no reduction in risk of prostate cancer with either selenium or vitamin E supplements, but a statistically non-significant increase in prostate cancer risk with vitamin E, unquote. Then in 2011, two years later, it was updated, alleging that higher doses of vitamin E, about 400 IUs per day to be exact may increase prostate cancer risk by 17%. Mm -hmm. So this caused the media, doctors, and nutritionists to pump the brakes on recommending vitamin E supplements or to just recommend 30 IUs per day or less since the RDA is just 22.5 international units per day. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, I have something to say about this. Well, my first question would be, who did the study? Well, that's... Probably part of the reason, but there's, it was seriously flawed and I'm going to get into it. Okay. There's some really great references about this controversial situation and two articles that were written by Dr. Joseph Mercola outline it nicely and they're called experts warn vitamin E can trigger cancer and vitamin E helps decrease your cancer risk. So we should probably leave links for these in the podcast notes. All right. Send those to me. All right. The bottom line is that this seriously flawed study used synthetic vitamin E instead of naturally occurring vitamin E, which I described in detail in our podcast on vitamin E, which was number 56. Right. I mean, this is comparable to the 1990s Finnish study of male heavy smokers who had a slightly increased risk for lung cancer when taking synthetic beta carotene or vitamin A. Mm-hmm. So synthetic vitamin E is derived from petrochemicals and has known toxic effects. Yet, 
synthetic alpha tocopherol is the type most commonly tested when investigating the health effects of vitamin E and is also the most common form sold in stores. Wow. Yeah. So I recommend that everyone go back and listen to the vitamin E podcast to review which are the best forms of vitamin E that are safe even in high doses. You know, they ideally contain all four natural tocopherols and all four tocotrienols. Right. Now, in addition to that, there are two things that you should do when reading the labels when you're buying vitamin E so that you know the difference between natural and synthetic vitamin E. Okay. Synthetic alpha-tocopherol vitamin E is typically listed with a DL. Mm -hmm. So in other words, uh, it'll say DL alpha-tocopherol, whereas non-synthetic or naturally derived alpha-tocopherol is typically listed with a D. So you'll see it listed as D-alpha-tocopherol. Right. Another synthetic form of vitamin E is when it's stabilized by adding either succinic acid or acetic acid, which changes the chemical name from tocopherol to tocopheryl, which, which is instead of an O-L at the end, it's a Y-L at the end. Ah. So an example of this is D-alpha-tocopheryl succinate. Huh. Yeah, so if you, you buy vitamin E and it says that on it, then just send it back. The average person's not going to know that. That's the problem. I know. Well, that's why we do these podcasts to disseminate this information because, believe it or not, I didn't know that until this week when I researched it. Wow. Yeah. All right, so I'd like to finish up with uh, prostate by saying that cold laser therapy is excellent for reducing swelling and inflammation associated with BPH and prostatitis. Mm-hmm. And of course, chiropractic adjustments uh, help improve, you know, blood flow and nerve flow to the prostate, which can only improve function too. Absolutely. All right. So that's a wealth of information on both the prostate and the testes. Is there anything else you'd like to say about either before we end? I don't think there's anything left. <laughs> Probably isn't. That was very thorough. So next week, we start into the female reproductive system with the ovaries and the uterus. And then following that, we're going to go into the common conditions that plague women, PMS and menopause, and something called perimenopause, not a, an attorney from the 1960s. <laughs> okay. Oh, you would think of that. Um. Okay, so that's going to be coming up next week. Thanks again, Steve. This is great information. It is. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week. Bye.